Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle, the New York Football Giants. I am John Schmoke, joined by Paul Dottino. We'll be taking your calls at 201-939-4513. Now, to get things a little bit more creative on these Wednesday shows now, we're going to try to do some different theme stuff. Um, just It's the middle of the week. We'll go through the news and the press conferences and any news that has come out. But we're not going to do a ton of game preview on Wednesday. If you want to call up and talk about that, you certainly can. But in terms of how we're going to open these shows, we're going to try to do some more topic-based stuff. Of course, still around the current season, around the team. We're not breaking down draft prospects yet. We have four months to do that after the season is over. (laughs) But we will take some bigger picture stuff and and take a look at that. So first things, news from the press conference, Paul. Mm -hmm. Limited at practice today will be Jalen Hyatt or Dory Jackson, Kayvon Thibodeau. They are all still in concussion protocol. Yeah. And then Evan Neal with the ankle. Uh, Dory Jackson apparently not really showing much progress, according to Brian Dable. From last week. So yeah. uh, those guys are all kind of TBD. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the fact that, you know, Adori has not progressed to the point where he's doing anything at practice is not a great sign. And uh, we will see about Hyde and Thibodeau. But generally in the league now, it happens, but it's not very frequently that guys are ready the week f- immediately following a concussion. Very rarely. Very, very rarely. I think uh, it's only happened two or three times all year across the entire league. In most cases, you're talking about at least two weeks. In most cases. Of course, there are exceptions. And you mean two calendar weeks? Yes. So you have to skip one game, correct? Yes. 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 I just want to make sure fans didn't think you missed two games. No, no, no. Two calendar yeah. weeks is right. usually the way it works out. Now, again, the NFL has the independent concussion protocol guys who do those tests. Uh, remember, the league, the league takes that out of the team's hands. So when the player goes for his independent uh, tests with those doctors, the team doesn't have a say. And, oh, we really need this guy back, or we really like to get this guy in the field. No, that's not part of the deal. The league says, okay, he passed or he didn't pass, and then he's got to go to the next stage. So we don't know where Adori is. We do know, and this is good for him, is that he's been in the locker room the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's not hiding in a dark room somewhere. Right, right. Now, when guys are really, really badly concussed and they have heavy-duty symptoms— Usually, they're not even coming to the facility. They're staying home. 
They're, they don't go out. If they do, they got sunglasses on. They're very limited in their in their motion or what they'll do in terms of mobility. That's not the case with Adori. We've seen him in the locker room. He's not wearing sunglasses. He's talking to people. He's chatting people up. He's having food and, and acting as if everything is okay. So from that perspective, I'm glad to say that he doesn't look like he's having heavy-duty symptoms. And Banks, but he's not, still not cleared. Correct. Fellow cornerbacks, Deontay Banks is limited with that ankle, cut off lot, limited with the shoulder. So, obviously, the Giants theoretically could be very, very shorthanded in the secondary. Yeah. It'll be important to see exactly how much Banks and Flott uh, both do this week uh, to try to get them back onto the field. And Andrew Thomas, with that knee injury, um, is limited as well. It's funny, Casillas and I, when we were watching the game together back at, at FAN to do the pre and post, we saw the play. I thought it was an ankle. You know, the ankle gets trapped under the body, and it really turns sideways. I thought it was an ankle at first. I was... I was actually pretty happy to hear that it, it wasn't a, a fairly serious ankle sprain, mm-hmm. and it looks like he escaped a, a serious knee injury at least, which is yeah. which is good to see. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing when it happened, John. I was on the sideline, and um, you know, <laughs> look with everything that's happened to this team, would anything surprise you? No, and they actually caught a break, which is unbelievable. Oh yeah. Um, well, we'll see if he can play this week, but it looks like they might right. have dodged a bullet there. Right. Uh, really, nothing else from that. Dable press conference that that really jumped out at me. He confirmed again that Tommy DeVito will be the quarterback. He confirmed it twice, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, not. he said he believes in the rookie wall. You basically have to just kind of stay on the rookies to make sure they're preparing and doing right. everything right during the week to keep them engaged. But other than that, not not a whole lot news-wise that I think really would impact the way you think about this upcoming week. No, not, not at all. And to uh, kind of merge into the point that you tried to make at the beginning of the program in terms of looking at the development of this team, uh, he's very high on Deontay Banks. And I know that he drew his seventh flag the other day in Dallas. I think he drew two flags, didn't he? Was it two? I, 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 I remember he had one, one in the for sure. Half too, yeah. There was one for sure that I remember. And I think both. I think one 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 got declined. And I'm trying to think of the other one. I will check it right now. Okay. Um, the point being, Deontay Banks has really, you know, he's he's done a lot of really good things this year. I get the penalties. You want those cleaned up. He'll learn how to clean those up as he becomes more experienced in this league. I remember always talking to Sam Madison. I would say, Sam, you get away with so much all the time. He was constantly picking and grabbing at receivers' jerseys the entire way down in their pass routes. And he would always laugh his ass off. Oh, he'd laugh his butt off, excuse me. Laugh his butt off. I'm sorry, folks. For those of you young folks out there. The Tito Wildling today on well, Wednesday. I like who, <laughs> who are you, Casillas in disguise? What's going on um, uh, But the point was, you know. Now, the, Pearson the, has to edit. He's not happy with you. The guys who have been in the league a long time, they know how they can get away with certain things, and they know where they can push the envelope and push the line. Deontay Banks is not there yet. He's a rookie. He's still trying to feel his way to know what he can and cannot get away with. And believe you me, the officials know, you know, that he's a rookie. They know if there is a five-time Pro Bowl guy playing out there and he's been around a long time and he's going to be a little crafty. When Deontay Banks gets that craftiness down, when he starts to understand some of the experience, I, I would think so. You know, at some point he will. He's going to be a dynamite CB1. I really, I think he's going to be a star in this league. He's got he has all a, the potential. Paul, I, I totally agree with you. He has a ton of work to do. Yeah, a ton of work. He's, he's got to he clean gave, stuff he up. He gives up at least one big play every week. He's got to clean stuff up, and that needs to get better. He's even, a rookie. Even penalties aside, he gives up a big play every week. He right now, 
is probably at least five times better than Mark Haynes was when he was a rookie for the Giants, and he wound up becoming a multiple-time Pro Bowl player. Yeah, I mean, I... He's way ahead of Mark Haynes. Trust me when I tell you. I... Sure. You know... I, 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 I don't the, have any comment on that. The, because the, I, the sky's the limit for this kid. It what, really is. What year was Mark Haynes a rookie? Uh, Haynes came in in uh, 83, I want to yes, say. That was two. So, no, I was not watching a lot of Mark Haynes tape. I don't blame you. <laughs> no, I don't. Not, I hope you don't blame me. I was two. It would have been hard for you to work the <laughs> yes, recorder. I think it would have been hard for me to work the recorder. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but look, and I, and I think this brings us to a larger conversation that I wanted to have at the start of the show. We figure we want to talk about some of the players on this team and who you feel best about kind of locking them into that spot moving forward. And I think we'll start on defense. You mentioned Deontay Banks. And again, I think he's got a lot of work to do in terms of cleaning up some of the mistakes and the big plays and the penalties. That needs to get better. But again, there's nothing about the tool set and the guy that I'm concerned about watching this year. But the the technique is something that, that, that needs to improve a lot um, as you move forward here, giving up some of those big plays. And again, they're giving him tough assignments. They're giving him one-on-one matchups against the other team's best wide receiver. Yeah. So I get all that. That's but, a real baptism by fire. Sure. It's you know, he's not sure. being weaned in here. No, <laughs> they're, absolutely they're like, not. Hey, you're jumping into the deep end of the pool. And it's not a lot of zone. It's a lot of man. Yeah. No, 100%. I'm, with, I, I'm very pleased with him. I'm with you on all that. I, well, again, I like all the tools. We, I, He's confirmed the stuff I knew about the tools coming in. But I would like fewer 40-yard, 30-yard plays down the field and eight penalties is a lot. Oh, and he did have two last week. He was two? Oh, oh, yeah, he had one declined okay. and, and two. I think both were defensive holdings. I don't think I either. remember the declined one. That was the one where he grabbed CeeDee Lamb's arm. Yeah. And yeah. then there was one in the second half, too, where he got called on a defensive holding okay. away from I, I believe, Skip I my think, mind. I think it was on a Prescott scramble for a first down. I think okay. he got called for a defensive holding. Anyway, okay. not important. So other guys on defense that I think you, we feel really good about. We can go one by one here. Should I take the low-hanging fruit? Why not? Uh, Dexter Lawrence, a nose tackle. Obviously, they just signed to a long-term deal. Uh, probably a, a top-10 defensive player in the league, period, regardless of position. He's been that dominant. He didn't put up numbers against Dallas. Again, if you watch the tape, he's in the backfield. He's in there. He's disruptive. He's doing a nice job in the run in the pass game. Uh, that That is, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is, given Andrew Thomas's injury history, I think Dexter Lawrence is the best player on the team. Yeah. I think I'm okay with that. I think Dexter Lawrence is the best player on the team right now. There's a in my play opinion. that somebody popped up on the internet where he shed three linemen to uh, penetrate the line of scrimmage against and get into the backfield against Dallas. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Three. Running play or pass play? Uh, it was it was a pass play. And the and the pass did get off, but the point is he went through a block, then a double team block, then a third lineman who came over to help and went through him too. No, he's amazing. No, he is amazing. <laughs> he's, he's a mountain of a man who somehow is able to move a hell of a lot quicker than he's supposed to. He's a freak show. And, you know, they, they figured out a way to get him on centers one-on-one. When he gets double teamed, it doesn't seem to matter either. And he had one really big hit on Dak Prescott in the game. Somehow Prescott yes. threw an absolute... I mean, that is one of the best passes I've seen all year by any quarterback, getting hit by a man that size. And it was a perfect flag route, like right on the sideline, in stride to, I think it was Brandon Cooks, around 25 yards mm-hmm. down the field. It's a great throw. But it was just one of those plays where Dexter was again in the backfield, just wreaking havoc. And Prescott got up. Yeah. And Dexter Lawrence also, by the way, did a nice job of 
after he hit Prescott, he kind of put his hands down to try to prevent the whole full weight on the quarterback thing. Well, so he actually did a good job. You got to be careful point, about though. those things because the way they call them. And before we go any further with your topic, yeah, I want to sure. talk about that pass because yeah. one of the things that I've harped on so many times is about how the Giants' skill position guys have to do a better job of making contested catches. Well, you saw Dallas's guys do it several times during the course of the game on Sunday. Gallup especially made a couple in that game. I think there well, were... And CeeDee Lamb made the one-handed one while Banks was grabbing his arm, four, too. In my opinion, there were four. So you, just ne- you just mentioned them. Yeah, two by Gallup, one by Lamb. I'm Ferguson to had one, too. Oh, yeah, Ferguson did have one. You're right. I forgot about that. That was like, are you kidding me? That's like not even a 50-50 ball. It's probably a 40-60 ball. And every single one of those, the Dallas target made the play. And that's the kind of thing that I've talked about so many times during the offseason and even now into this season. Not that it makes a whole lot of difference to where the Giants' record is, but man, oh man, oh man. Well, a healthy offense. I mean, geez, you got to get something on offense here. I, you know? I, I, it just it just boggles my hey, mind. Paul, look, there's a reason when we had this conversation at the, in the offseason when we talked about ranking the position groups in the division and the Giants' got the one point for wide receivers out of the four teams. They were the, yeah. Yeah, the it was the least successful set. And we Darren bragged Waller, about their depth. And Darren Waller's right? now out with an injury, so that hurts you even more. But look, I mean just there aren't a ton of pelts on the wall here for this wide receiver group. The only guy with any pelts on the wall really is Darius Slayton. Mm-hmm. You know, Paris Campbell had a decent year last year with the Colts, and he hasn't done much this year at all. Isaiah Hodgins had one decent half a year last year for the and, Giants. And, and he's and, been very quiet. Well, lack of speed. Again, this is what we talked about in the offseason. And then Jalen Hyatt is a rookie who, right. has a, who is a really great trait that they use well in terms of getting him over the top with speed. But we, there's a reason he dropped where he dropped in the draft. They're just they, 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 He doesn't have a well-rounded game yet as a wide receiver. He's working on it. I think he'll get there, but he's not mm-hmm. there yet. So there's just and, and oh, then Robinson Wanda, was hurt too, and then Wanda Robinson he was hurt a little first bit. first half yeah. of the season. Well, he only missed one game, but but um, he wasn't himself. Correct. But look, this is not an upper echelon wide receiver group. It's no. a group they still need to continue to improve. I I would give anything to see the giant skill position guys come up with three or four contested catches a week. I would give anything to see that because I'll be honest with you, folks. I'm tired of watching the. NFL highlights at the end of every weekend or going into the next week and seeing all these great, spectacular, contested catches made all around the league. I don't know how many of there are are there in every single game around the NFL. Maybe there's only one or two in every game. I don't know. But it just seems to me like we see a bunch of them happening in non-Giants games or against, <laughs> against the Giants. The, against the Giants. Right? right? Yeah. Can, can we finally have a real of contested catches that Giants players make for a change, helping their quarterback out? Maybe maybe, maybe that'll happen one day. I don't know. All right. Well, we'll get to the offensive side of the okay. ball in a second. Let's continue on our thing here. I, so we talked about Banks. Again, needs to improve, but we'll see where he's at. Dexter's the obvious one. I'll let you go with your, with your next defensive guy. Uh, Hawkins was all over. That touchdown pass. And that was a contested catch that was made for a touchdown last week. That was the Gallup one. Yeah. yeah. It was all over him. Right. Could not have. I believe if you watch the replay, John. Paul just ignoring my question no, completely. No. Yes, but yes. You, you asked me for another player. Yes. I'm giving you another player. Hawkins. 
He hasn't played for five weeks. But he played the other day, and he got his arm right in there, no, no, I and they still made the catch. That isn't a, that isn't a guy you're counting on as a starter moving forward. No, for sure. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that I still have faith that Hawkins has a skill set that we could still consider him at some point I a player on this team. I know I get that, but the, that's why I'm the, saying the question I'm asking is more this. Is there guys that you would say, all right, well, we don't need to focus on adding somebody at the spot because this guy's here? Oh, okay. That that that's well, John Michael Schmidt. I'm on defense. Let's stick on oh. defense. Sorry, you were all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, John? It's kind of hard. You're making me laugh today, Paul. You're. I'm glad. Funny. I'm glad because we need to smile every once in a while. I know we do. Well, you're it making me smile. Away, that right? makes you happy. Anyway, uh, uh, well, I I feel very good about. Uh, McFadden's progress. Okay, I and, agree. And Wink Martindale has cited uh, Okereke. Yep, I as think being both a those huge guys you feel good about. Him. And I think both those guys you feel good about. And Bobby's about young enough. Hey, Bobby he's only in the league five like, years. He's, what twenty-seven years old? Yeah, he's so fine. he's gonna be here for a while. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think those two guys are fair. And again, that doesn't mean if you know you get into the draft and there's a chance to draft like some you know super duper inside linebacker you think is going to be great. Do you think about that? Sure. But I don't think you go out and say, use a large chunk of your free agency money on an inside linebacker right. because you're pretty happy with those two guys there. And so, I'm going to throw Kayvon Thibodeau out as another guy. We don't, I think, look, I don't know how we know how good he's going to be yet, but I think we know he's a good NFL starter. Yes. So that, 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 that is a guy that you feel very good about as a starter at one of your edge spots. I, I do want to add one other comment about McFadden. Yeah, though. please go ahead. He, to me, is the most pleasant surprise of the guys on this team. I did not think when I saw him last year that he would be more than a substitutional role player who had some athleticism, could definitely come on the blitz. Yeah, I agree with you. And had a skill set that could be utilized in certain packages. I did not necessarily see him developing into the kind of linebacker that they can count on in so many different ways. He's become one of the best coverage inside linebackers in the conference. And I mean, I I think he's much better downhill. I don't think he's I agree. Like chasing tight ends down. I the agree. Field. He's better off going straight ahead. But but I know that they're very pleased with how he peruses his his body of in land. zone in zone. Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, they, I, and I was I they wasn't don't ask, sure. They don't ask him to do that a ton either. No, but when like he's done it, he's done it. And I'm very surprised. He's he's got a to me. He's earned a bigger role on this team than I thought he was going to get. No, I agree with you. I think that's hundred percent true. And now that here's the question. Here's two guys I'll throw at you that I think we don't know about yet. And it's not because of ability. Because you guys know how I feel about Aziz Ojolari as a pass rusher. When he's on the field, mm-hmm. I think he's a very good pass rusher. The injury history, though, is an issue. So mm-hmm. I think if you get here and you have a chance to add like a really good pass rusher in the draft or free agency, I think that has to be on the table here. Just I be, agree. Just because of the injury history. I agree. Nothing to do with his ability as a player. The other guy that I think has done well in coverage this year, but it wouldn't stop me from drafting... Um, a corner. Flot's been pretty good in the slot. He's been great. He's been okay. Um, wouldn't stop me from from bringing on a slot corner that I think is an upgrade. But I'm much more intrigued with Flot today than I was at this time last year. I've always liked him as a boundary corner because of his length and the ability to use the boundary as part of his defensive mechanism. But he has developed much better in the slot than I thought he was going to be. So I'm going to agree with you there. I think I'm feeling really good about Flot in a way that I wasn't sure I would. I liked him a lot. 
I just didn't know it was going to be for these reasons. The fact that he's got that versatility and has been capable in the slot. I, I just didn't think that that was going to be his best position. And maybe it won't be over the long term. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see about that. But right now, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, if, if, that's the where, if that's where he's got to play because he's needed there more, I don't have a problem with that. All right, let's go to anybody else on defense you think is worth mentioning. Xavier McKinney is going to be a free agent, so that's the reason I did not include him. He's obviously well, good enough to be a starting safety in the NFL, so that is no question about it. Again, at what level we can have that debate. He's a guy that can certainly be a starting safety, and I think Jason Pinnock has shown that he can be a starting strong safety as a guy along the line of scrimmage. But again, I think if, if there's – and it's, again, because McKinney's a free agent after the year, we don't know if he's going to be here. Right. I think that does leave open the possibility where if you want to add an upgrade at safety at some point, you can, just because we don't know about what, what McKinney's situation is. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and the Dory Jackson free agent too, which is why I didn't bring him up. Yeah. I, th- I think to me the safety spot has, has such a, a gray area because I don't know where Pinnock's upside is. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's okay. I think he's a good player. Can you upgrade? Probably. But you could also do a lot worse. Uh, what is Dane Belton to you right now? He's a third safety right now. Okay. He hasn't shown enough to me thinking more than that. And, and that's part of the problem. Because last year as a rookie, he showed some flashes. He was hurt some. We didn't get enough of a taste to really give him a significant role on well, the team. Well, he had that clavicle all year that was right. kind of keeping him out of the lineup. And right. then this year, he's been in the mix as a substitution player and in packages. But I still don't know if he can be counted on to be a regular guy. I don't yeah. know that. Well, you know what, Paul? We're going to look for topics like this all year. It's already 12.50. I want to get the call. So why don't, yeah. we save, why don't we save offense for next week? Okay. That makes sense? Good. All right. So why don't we save offense for next week? I think that's a good idea. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Join us on Sunday, November 19th at Hair of the Dog in Manhattan to watch the Giants take on the Washington Commanders. Enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash bar network to learn more and also go subscribe to the john settle podcast folks a lot of great podcasts up there we just posted papa's perspective today is that up pearson it is yes um bob papa talked to bart oats hello mr oats about the uh big game against washington in washington in the 80s so go check that out also my my conversation with sean o'hara from tuesday is up there too a couple really good conversations working on fun stuff towards the end of the week giants app giants.com slash podcast uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Giants Huddle. And again, I know some Giant fans are starting to get into the draft a little bit. Uh, go check out draft season. Tony Pauline and I, is that up yet today, Pearson? Not yet. That should be up shortly. By the time you listen to this on your podcast feed, it probably should be. Uh, go search for draft season. A lot of good draft talk. We've gone through every position group now over the last five weeks. Tony's top guys at each spot. I'm probably 40 or 50 players deep in at this point. Um, way ahead of where I usually am, which is great. But really good draft conversation. Trevor Sykema from PFF joined us today, uh, or rather yesterday, airing today uh, on draft season. Go check that out. And uh, Giants Hangout, too, our brand-new podcast. Make sure you check that out, too. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Mike in Georgia. He'll lead us off today. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. How are you? What's up? So I want to I want to go back to the conversation that you were having uh, at the end of the show on Monday, John, with Lance. And I, I believe you said, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that Joe Shane needs to be given a chance in regards to building the roster. 
Yes. So every I, NFL, no no general manager can build a roster in two years. Not one. Exactly. Yes. It, on the plan. I agree. Yes. But I went and looked at everyone on the roster, and I found this hard to believe, but I double-checked it and triple-checked it. It's actually true. Joe Shane has actually picked 85% of this roster already. Yeah, right. But what but what doing. resources did he have at his disposal to find those 85 players? How many of those 85 players are, you know, free agent side or, you know, undrafted free agents or, you know, low-end non-college free agents? How many guys are or players were you trading like a 7th round pick for him? Remember, he only had one year worth of free agency where he had any money to spend and he had two drafts. Correct. That is all yes. he's had in order to build this roster. Limited resources. Yes. But we're down to 11 players that he inherited. Yeah, that's not, I'm not surprised so by that. I won't go through the 11. One was through a trade, uh, which was... Actually, um, you know, hold on. Let's, Mike, let's play a game. You hang with us. I'm going to see if I can okay. figure out the 11 off the top of my head. No, I'm serious. I, I think I can do it. Guys, bear with me, okay? I'm going to see if I can figure this out. You got Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. No. No, go the other way. So he's already made a decision to re-sign Jones and Barkley. No, but so he was... 11 players. No, I understand that, but... but He inherited no, those but guys. He inherited, that, that's, not, that's not the statement you made. You said, how many players did he inherit? That's right. players that were on the roster when he got here. Right. That's, th- that was the question I was trying to answer. Is All there right, a different question? He, let me rephrase that. He's made a decision either through draft pick, trade, Signing or re-signing a player's contract okay. like Jones or Barkley who expired. Okay. So I got you. Eighty-five percent of the roster, he's made the decision on the player on the roster. Okay, I, I got you. We're we're down to eleven that he hasn't had a chance to make a decision on because of contract. Okay. Okay. I I now give up on my game. Continue. Okay, I can give you the eleven real fast. No, that's okay. Basically. Okay. Um, I'm going to so write them down. The, okay. Go ahead. I want to try to figure it out on my own and write them down. You go ahead, finish your what point. Is, what, is the, yeah, what is the whole point of this call? The, the point of the poll call is I think Joe Shane, I'm going to use the food anomaly that you like. I think the pot is now on simmer on Joe Shane. And the reason why it's on Zimmer is because he's picked 85%. See, you're, you're so wrong roster. because you're not putting everything into context. When you talk about the guy saying he picked most of the players on the team or they were his decisions to make, well, that's fine. That's a fact. No one's going to dispute the fact. But then you have to put it into context and say, what did he have at his disposal to make those decisions? Correct. What were the alternatives? If he didn't go that way, what were the other options he could have gone to? Until you put everything in a full context, your point is invalid. Yeah, my, here's the thing. He's literally had one free agency class and two drafts. That's what he's had. Right? Am I wrong? Cor- no, you're not wrong, but he's made the decision on 85%. All right, you can going to that, that number, but uh, okay. it's, not, it's out of context. Right, so so 85% of the roster, that's what, 45 players? Uh, Give or take? The whole thing. So the active no. roster is 53, injured reserves 13, pup is 2, and the practice squad's 14. So he's 
made the determination to keep 85% of all of the No, no, I, I understand it's 85%. What's, what's the physical number of players? Uh, the physical number of players is 53, uh, 66, 68, uh, 82. Okay, so, so, of 80, so you're saying 85% of, of the 82 players is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, so let's round down and say that's around 70 guys, okay? Fair enough? Okay. Let's say it's 70. Yep. All right. How many draft picks has he had? Two classes. Right, so that's about, what, 14 guys, let's say, on average, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that's eight. So that's 70 minus 14, you're at 56. But how many guys do you think he's been able to spend a decent amount of money on in free agency? What, another 10? Give or take? If that. Okay. I'll, I'll say 10. Okay, 10. Let's be generous and say 10. All right? So you're at now, you went from to 56. Now you're at 46. So 46 of the 70 guys you're talking about, he either had to bring in his undrafted free agents, guys that would get cut or released by other teams, or low-end guys you would sign via free agency. 46. And guys, and guys he's traded for. And guys he's traded for. Correct. That that's true. That's fair, but and, he but he's only he's only had he's only had one significant trade where he's given up a decent pick for a player, and that's Darren Waller. That's mm-hmm. it. Everything else has been low end, like seventh round picks, which is you might as well just be signing a guy for a minimum off the scrap heap. Right. So that so you're literally looking at forty six of seventy players using more, your math. That's about seventy five eighty percent. Just doing it off the top of my head of the guys that he's chosen to retain. He's had to do completely on the cheap without significant resources being dedicated to those players. That's where I'm coming from. You understand what I'm saying? That's how you put it in context. Okay, which which obviously you I'm, failed I'm, to do. No, but this is the way I'm looking at it, Paul. So hear me out. He's, I'm questioning his decision-making process. And now that we're at the end of year two, he's going to get year three. I'm not saying fire him now. But the... Example that I'm giving is the pot is on simmer. You could leave that pot on simmer through all of next season, but if this team is under 500 after next season, it's on a full boil because he no longer has the excuse that he inherited players. He's probably made the decision on almost all of them. No, no, Mike, Mike, the excuse isn't that he inherited players. The excuse is that he has not had enough time to build a team. Do you know how many okay, draft so classes re- it takes to build a roster? Wow. Yes, I do. But let me go at this another way. It's yes. regarding his decision-making process, okay? So the three trades he's made, Waller, Basham, and Simmons, have not worked out. So part of the decision-making was... They traded... Like no, no, hold on, Mike, Mike, Mike. They traded seventh-round picks for Basham <sighs> and Simmons, and they're both in the rotation. But the players haven't worked out. Whoa, no, 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 whoa, they're, they're whoa, playing. Wait a minute. They're playing, and they're seventh-round picks. What do you think you're getting for a seventh-round pick? Seventh-round picks don't even make the, the active roster all the time when you're making those selections. I know that, but he thought they were good enough players to give up picks for. Yes, and, and, and seventh-rounders. Yes, and they are playing. They're playing well they're, enough they're to playing. get. It's not like these guys are inactive every week. No, they're getting a jersey, and, and especially Simmons is playing a lot more than Basham is. And I'm, not, and I'm not telling you that these guys are future pro bowlers or they're even needle movers, but they're guys that you're getting, what, 40 snaps a game out of? 
for a pair of seventh round picks. I wouldn't consider that not working out. Are they home run trades where you're going to say, oh, look at these great trades I made for these guys? No. But are they trades you're like, oh, wow, we got robbed on that? I mean, I don't think that's fair. Okay. Well, even going back to the offseason, I questioned his decision making on re signing Jones and franchising Barkley. I think it should have been the other way around. And the reason why it should have been the other way around was because if you made a mistake on Barkley and his contract, it was going to be a much smaller number financially that you made a mistake on that wouldn't crush this team from a cap perspective. So last year, we didn't want to give Jones the fifth-year option because $22 million was at risk and they couldn't make that decision. But you know what? Looking at his new contract, the fifth-year option was for about when, thirty million. By the way, just mm-hmm, FYI, mm-hmm. the, the fifth-year no, that was a franchise tag. The fifth-year option was twenty-two. No, the the tag, the tag. But you said yes. you said you the wanted the tag was for thirty. You you're said right. you wanted to tag him. That's what you said. Yeah, you said you wanted to tag him, which would have cost you yeah, thirty. You're right. You're right. But if they picked up the option. Which they should have. No, 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 no. How that could you have done that? Barkley. Now you see. Now no, you're now, doing revisionist history. Yes, that, you can't do that. That's hindsight. You can make the argument that 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 maybe you should have done that, but the, the, we we took calls for that on for weeks, and we maybe had it was ninety ten people thought they made the right decision on that. I don't believe he did. So okay, but, well that's fine. Yeah, this is why I kind of think next year. They have to pick a quarterback somewhere in the draft, no matter what. Well, and Mike, this is and, and and Mike, to, to your point, this is where I'm going to fight back on you. Then, when you say the pot's on simmer, let's say again, I'm just going through a hypothetical situation. You pick a rookie quarterback in the first round of the draft next year, and you want to make him your starter, right? Then, how do you then decide whether or not you're going to fire a GM off of how a rookie quarterback plays in his first year in the NFL? How do you do that? Actually, drafting the quarterback buys you time. But if you don't right. draft the quarterback and you stick with what you got, that's where the pot's on simmer, and then it boils. Okay, well, if well, they're nowhere for three years. No, Mike. I, I, Mike, thanks for the call. First of all, they they made the playoffs in one of those three years. So yeah, I know. I mean, let's remember that too. S- somehow he doesn't see a second round playoff appearance as a success. And and the conversation. I, I don't get that. And, 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 and Mike, good call. But what where I don't want to be is all right. Well, if they do this in the off season, then they do that in the off season, and then their record is this next year, then they should consider firing this guy. I'm not having a conversation about three what ifs a year from now, more than a year it's from amazing. now. Amazing, absolutely amazing. The the storylines that some people will come up with. Wow, I can't have that conversation. No, I can't. No, it's I can't. absurd. It's Guys, absurd. It's a year and a. Do we remember what we talked about when they brought in this regime, how long this process was going to be? We mm. talked a three-year process. I feel like I, you say that every day now. I, I try to, Pearson. Yeah. And this is why I was trying to warn everybody in the offseason when I said, you know, it's not always in a straight line. And last year was an overachieving season. It is what it is. And lightning hit the barn this year and burned it down. Yeah. It happened. And lightning struck in a good way last year. It's, it happens that way sometimes. And again, a lot of that's health. Because I said it again, last year they had injuries, but guess what? Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, and Dexter Lawrence played in every single game last year. Yeah. It's your four best players. 
Three, they, they, three of those four have been out a significant amount of time this year. It's ironic. Last year, they had to deal with Leonard Williams being hurt for a lot of the year, and he played hurt for many games. Mm-hmm. They had to deal with the secondary. Being they bad. had a volume of injuries they last did, year. But, but they weren't to the flagship guys. It wasn't the cornerstone guys that were hurt. And, and yeah. that's the thing. See, when we talk about Murphy's Law, you know, what can go wrong will go wrong. The truth of the matter is, we've said this on the program for almost two months. This was a perfect storm. It was not just the amount of injuries, but the seriousness of the injuries to the specific guys you could not afford to lose and at the worst part of the schedule. It was just, it, this could not have been any worse. And again, you could you have made the argument at the time you want to give Jones a fifth-year option? Sure. But I, to act like that was some colossal mistake at this point in time because of what's happened, it's, I think that's a yeah, little unfair. Absolutely. Considering his injury history at the time, you could not commit a huge multi-year deal to a guy who had not fully proven that he could last a full season in the league. At the time you had to make that decision, John, you did not know with much confidence that he was going to be able to do that. Right, and he had not played yet with his coaching staff. Correct. It's not like you knew he was going to be good in Dable's system at that point. You're making that call before he takes a snap with Brian Dable. They did it the right way. It was the, it was the plan that I had professed to you guys on BBK the entire offseason. You go to sign Jones and use the tag on Barkley. Now, you can make the argument that should you have tagged Jones instead? Because if, if you're a fan that maybe doesn't have the same level of confidence in Jones as other people, and you argued, look, I would rather tag Jones and then give Barkley, you know, a larger running back contract, there's an argument for that. I buy that argument. That argument I can listen to. At least I think there's some logic behind it. I understand it. But I can't go back and do revisionist history on the fifth-year option. I can't do that. No. Cannot. Right. Let's go to Hugo in New Jersey. Hugo, you're up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And by the way, the, the, the most likely avenue of bringing back both those guys is figure out the guy you can sign to a contract you like, and then mm-hmm. you kind of go from there, which is kind of how the Giants handled it. Hugo, what's going on? Hey, hey, guys. Uh, well, I really called about something else, but I guess that previous call is going to force me to do a little bit of a detour. No, it doesn't, Hugo. Uh, it doesn't if you don't want to. No, d- d- don't know, don't I, go there. He was already way off the cliff, man. He went into the, the, well, the deep end of the canyon. Well, let, let me let me just what what one. Oh, you're going to go there. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 no. One quick correction: Mark Haynes was drafted in 1980. Not 1983. Oh, so I was not born yet. You're right. Not You're right. born yet. Thank you, Hugo. Now I feel even less bad about You're right. it. I appreciate You're right. that. He was 80. He was right before a- Lawrence a- Taylor a- was. A- You're right, because he played in right. the 81 playoff game, and he recovered that fumble on special teams in the, in Philadelphia. That's right. And Absolutely. And in 1983, the, Gi- the Giants drafted Terry Kennard at safety at a club. Special K. Remember him well. Just, just, You're right. Just, just to let you know that I'm a Giants historian, just like Paul. Just <laughs> 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 but, uh... But look, um, I have absolutely no problem with Joe Shane's process. In fact, I think everyone in the offseason allotted what he did with the resources that were available to address various hot spots on the roster. And to your point, you can't fix everything in one offseason. But uh, I must, since we're talking about revisionist history, uh, I know, John, you're talking about a rebuild and how long a rebuild takes. Yeah. Now, you know, one thing we did do in the offseason from an analytical standpoint is two things, right? We compared all the rosters across the NFC East 
and we made our predictions for records based on our perception of the roster at that time. Yeah. And we had the Giants closely behind the Cowboys, at least, in those rankings, as my recollection with uh, Washington trailing as the as the worst roster. Yeah, I I, I, then, I, 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 I had the Giants in 9-8, and eight, and I had them. I, yeah, I, and, and everyone... And and That's in right. fairness, Everyone Paul had the Giants. Paul had the Giants. The uh, Paul had a lot Giants a lot closer to Dallas and Philly than I did. I, I had, had the, Dallas and Philly still a notch above the Giants. I had day. ten and, and seven. And, and you know, and it wasn't, and it wasn't just you guys or the fans. It was, I mean, even Vegas said the over under seven and a half. Right. So my my point, and it's a bit of a counter to that last caller, is that the roster is not as bad as the current record indicates, and I'm more in the camp of a lot of stuff has just gone wrong this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Hugo, what I would say, really I think, the is the reason why why we're there. Yeah, what I, I would, would say is a fair – here, here's my fair analysis, and then you can continue. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. I, I think probably not as good as 9-7-1 and, and better than what they're going to finish at this year. I think that's what you're looking at. Yeah, maybe we overrated a little bit of the talent, right? Because we were talking about the in the offseason was we're going to have a really explosive offense with the addition of Waller and Paris, right? That was the talk. All this speed, all of a sudden, that was the big difference from the previous year. It just didn't materialize. And it could be because, look, the offensive line just doesn't give the quarterback the opportunity yeah. to get a downfield with Hugo, some of these here. The biggest over-evaluation may have been in the wide receiver room where we all we all thought they had a lot of depth. Now, they didn't have superstars. We knew that the right. top front, top line guys on the other teams in the division were better. Yep. But we thought there was a lot of depth, and we were trying to figure out who were they going to keep. Well, as it turned yeah. out, the wide receiver room has been really sagging in its production. But then again... You look at the offensive line problems. Quarterback you look injuries. at the quarterback injuries. Yeah. Is it any wonder maybe that some of these uh, wide receiver statistics are are rather poor? I mean, yeah. that's going to be part of it. So did we think, really over-evaluate or under-evaluate the room? I don't know. I really don't know. I, you know, I, I, think, I think you're hitting on the core issues for why the wide receivers have underperformed, right? Because uh, I think the way we thought about it was look at what they did uh, in 2022 with much less in the wide receiver room. So Mm -hmm. in in the very least, we would have expected some marginal improvement over 2022. What we've actually seen is it go the other way. Yeah, and Hugo, and I think the other thing too, and I think this is, and and I've talked about this in the offseason, so did Lance, and maybe I should have, maybe I should have leaned into it a little bit more. If you look at a lot of the success the Giants had against teams last year, even offensively, they took advantage of a lot of bad opponents and a lot of bad quarterbacks. They did. And I think we're seeing this year with a much tougher schedule against much better teams, they've yeah. had trouble raising their level of play to meet those challenges this year. A lot of that is because of the injuries like we talked about. But, you know, they're just they play, they're not playing the AFC South again this year. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's a right. lot tougher. No, correct. Tougher, pa- tougher pass-rushing teams on defense. And the other thing, and too. quarterbacks. No question. Thing. And then, But the other thing, too, that, that is also a part of this. The running game was much more consistent 
last season than it has been this year. At least the first half of the year. Unfortunately, the running game the first half of this year has looked a lot more like the running game the second half of last right. year when it wasn't as good. And 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 that's a really tough way to start because you've got opponents right out of the box who are cheating against your pass because they know you're not running the ball. Yeah. That's been one of my biggest disappointments this year, that we haven't run the ball all that well. And um, a point I was going to make is that we're going to go run heavy going forward. I- I'm assuming if the games are competitive, we're going to see a heavy dose of the run. Uh, I'm, a l- I'm just a little bit of concerned about managing the carries for Barkley. And, you know, the other comment I was going to make, it's going to take everyone. It's going to be inc- the linemen, of course, but the tight ends, the wide receivers, when you're going to go that run heavy, everyone's got to perfect their craft in the run game. Yeah, Hugh, I'll say I'll this too. That, I've been out too No, long. I appreciate uh-huh. it. No, you're good, man. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Good call today. Good call today. And he talks about leaning into the run too much. I think Brian Dable went out of his way last week. Once they got through those first two possessions where they were buried mm-hmm. deep within their own 10-yard line and they had to run there, you don't want to have Tommy DeVito making throws there against that Cowboys defense that deep in your own territory. I think I looked at it. I don't remember the number exactly, but I think on their five of their next first and tens, I think they passed on four of them. Yeah. Like they realized that Dallas was stuffing the box and they were going to have to throw the ball on first down. And frankly, he actually did okay. He completed a bunch of like three, mm-hmm. four, five yard passes. They were in mm-hmm. second and six and second and five a bunch. Mm-hmm. The problem is that then you ran it for negative yards on second down. <laughs> yes. Or one yard on second down, whatever it was. And, and then on, you know, even third and five against that Dallas defense was going to be a challenge. Well, even because the times that, that DeVito threw, it really did not force Dallas to loosen up their defense. They were like, okay, you're going to make a few first down throws for four or five yards. Go right ahead and do that. Right. We're still going to cheat against your running game. Right. Okay? Yeah. And and that's the problem. This is why we talk all the time about you must put players on the field in positions where they can command the respect of the other team's opposite unit. And Paul. And Dallas did not respect the Giants' offense, and, and why should they? Second drive of the game, third and six, five. And it was from the Dallas, like, 10-yard line, give or take. And the Giants run a play-action pass. I talked about this play on Monday, mm-hmm. but this is the context of it. They run a play-action pass. They max protect with eight guys. Two line, two tight ends stay in. The running back stays in. They send both their wide receivers on go routes. They get one-on-one coverage on both guys down the field. Mm-hmm. The minute Tommy DeVito's foot hits after the play-action fake, Michael Parsons is up his rear end. Boom! And he has to move. And that's when he got out of the end zone and Sam Williams sacked him at like the one-yard line. Right. But they couldn't block five guys with eight. So they tried to loosen the defense early in the game when they could. But guess what? When you can't protect long enough to loosen the defense, even on two simple go routes, where DeVito can't even get his back foot in the ground to identify an open receiver, there's not much you could do. And anyway. The, and the defense knows that. And once they succeed a few times against, you know, what you're trying to do against them, they're like, okay, well, we don't have to respect the other option anymore. All right, we, we just, we're just going to come and do what we want. Pearson, I'm going to... Get through these quotes quick. Screen one more and make sure we get you know one more call. But let's go to Dan the Poconos. He's up next. Hey, Dan, how you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great, John. Paulie, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. I haven't called up in a long time. Yeah, good to hear from you, Dan. What's going on, man? Well, real quick, I just got some quick couple of comments. Um, one thing in the draft, I think I would. I know I'm being a little crazy here, but I think I would. I would draft an offensive or defensive lineman every pick. 
I don't care. Every pick. It just you know that's how disgusted we are with our our lines. Well, David, I can tell you and, right. Um, I, I can tell you just from a draft perspective, right now, really, I don't have on my board a defensive lineman that's worth a top ten pick this year. I don't. Yeah, I I have two there, offensive huh? linemen that are probably worth like top six or seven picks that are legitimately high end players, but it's pretty deep at the edge class. But you don't have I don't think any. There are no Aiden Hutchinsons or or guys like that in this particular draft class. Yeah. Uh, oh well. Well, anyway, um, two other comments I wanted to make. Um, one was about the game. Um, I was. Uh, you remember at the end of the game when uh, Pugh came to the def- defense of uh, Devito and he's getting yes. beat up, you know, and the guy kicked him and all that and got mm-hmm. kicked out of the game. Yeah. I thought. I mean, I was saying the whole game because there were plenty of times when Devito went into that slide and he was getting hit. You remember that one time the guy hit him with his shoulder right into the head. Yep. And um, I mean, you remember uh, our, our buddy Nick Gates? Man, he, he would have been in a, he would have been in ten fights in that game. And I was just disappointed on the guys didn't come to the defense of Devito. I thought he was just getting you know late hits and beat up and. And I don't know if you saw that, but you know, at least at least Pew did the right thing at the end there. I don't think it was as consistent as you thought, but I did see a couple of instances where I thought the uh, the Cowboys were a little bit more aggressive than they needed to be. And I remember the particular play you're talking about, where the shoulder came right right into the head. It looked like a target to me, yeah. but it wasn't a helmet to helmet, you know. Right. And, and I guess so. The referee, you know, was 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 okay with it. Borderline mm-hmm. for me. Borderline for me because I certainly thought it was a dangerous play. Now, whether or not it was a penalty by the book, we, we could talk about that for another 15 years. But I, yeah. I, do, I do understand why you cringed at that particular one. I don't think it was as consistently a problem as, as you think. I'll though. be honest with you. I struggle a lot with the quarterback slide, get hit after the slide rules. It's a tough one. Because the quarterbacks slide so late a lot of times, and again, I'm not talking about any individual play in the Cowboy game. I didn't go back and, and, and I don't remember exactly what plays where you guys are talking about. I'm just talking ge- you know, generally. These quarterbacks right. sometimes slide so late and these defensive players are already committed. And if they're yeah. committed to trying to tackle the quarterback around the waist, tough. then the quarterback slides. Well, guess what? If you're targeting the quarterback's waist and he slides, yeah. what are you going to hit? You're going to hit him in the head. Sure. So I, I yeah. struggle a lot with when the quarterback gives up that protection because he slides too late. That, to me, yeah. for referees, is one of the most challenging calls in the game is figuring out in that split second whether or not the defender had committed by the time the quarterback slid. I think it's really, really hard. DeVito slides better than either Eli Manning or Daniel Jones do, though. He's a better slider. That is great. He's also <laughs> taller than Lance Meadow, and we're having really low bars to this conversation. <laughs> okay. Okay, guys. Listen, one other quick comment. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, I got. I, I'm not going to get on uh, Dable and uh, and Joe Shane. I'm, you know, definitely got to give them more time for sure. Um, and uh, but the Dable did make a comment. You know, I hate watching those post game presses. You know, they're just because, especially the way the season's been going. You know, he's always depressed, and I don't blame him. He's pissed off. Blah blah blah. But he made a comment, and I, and I wish I would have rewound it and listened to it again because I'm not a hundred percent on my yeah. on how accurate I am. But he made a come. He he said that he goes. The reporter asked him a question, and he said, um, "He goes, yeah, well, that's why we were competitive right to the end." <laughs> I was like, "Hello, I, I didn't think we were competitive at all in the whole damn game." Well, no, again, and, and he, he was actually asked this question uh, today again, Dan. I think mm-hmm. there are two ways to talk about competitive. 
he when he used competitive in that regard, it was guys trying. Guys continued to oh. compete, and they were trying. Right. But he was asked today, yeah, yeah. did you guys think you were competitive against Dallas? He goes, well, it was 49-17. Right. It wasn't a competitive game, but our guys did compete. So you understand how like uh, there's almost like two different definitions to the yeah. word? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, you have to take it into context. Thank you, That's the only way to interpret. Yeah. Appreciate the call. Yeah. You know, look, (coughs) here's the one thing that I think both of us know, John. We've only known Dable for a year and a half, almost two years, I guess. I believe he would immediately take a player off the field and sit his butt on the bench if he believed that that player was not giving him the effort that he wanted. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And I have not seen him technically bench a player for disciplinary reasons because the guy wasn't putting out. Now, a lot of times, a lot of times you're not going to see that until you watch the tape. I think there are some times where, you know, if the guy's away from the play, you don't necessarily watch him what he's doing in live feed, but no, I agree. I don't think that's been an issue. All right. Two more calls. I want to get, and let's go to David in Michigan. He's up next. Hi, David. Hey guys. Um, uh, I'm going to do this as fast as I can with some bullet points. Sure. I want to give Hugo some props. Um, you know, he sounds like the kid who won the science fair every year, but his calls are really good. No, he was a great I, caller, David. Absolutely. We agree. I always listen close to, to when, when he calls. Very good fan. So, so, so David, real, David, David, real question. So, so do you think he did the volcano with, like, the lava coming out of it? Was that one of his? <laughs> exactly. Okay. He's that guy. He's that guy. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, also... Uh, apology to you, John. Um, we, we had an exchange on Twitter, uh, mostly born out of my frustration with this season. I actually host two podcasts myself. I would not want anybody telling me what to do on my podcast. Okay. Oh, David. Um, um, oh, I, in, in, you were the one that weren't wasn't happy. I was breaking down uh, the, the right. game on Monday. Okay, I got you. It's okay. It's all good. Right. No worries. I think. I think from now on, I'm just going to. Tip the Monday podcast. No, look at David. Look, and, and David, look. I totally get where you're coming from. At this point, the actual wins and losses don't mat- don't really matter all that much. I get it, but every game you get additional data points that are going to help you make decisions when you get towards the end of the year. You're tracking players. You're tracking how the team's going to compete, how they're playing, and that's still important. So I do think. Every game is another 80 snaps of football for both sides of the ball that you're 60 to 80 snaps that you wouldn't get otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that's why, even though I know the wins and losses aren't you know essential right yeah. now, it they are still very important in terms of how they're playing in the game, how the players are playing in the game, how they go, because that's going to determine then what you're going to do in the offseason. You, you understand what yeah. I'm saying? Well, I, I do. And and you, you're right. I just It's just my frustration. I totally get uh, it, dude. I get you. It's one thing to lose. It's another one to be humiliated by your arch-rivals. I just hate those guys. Dude, I get it. Um, very very quick. Um, so, Daniel, before, uh, when he was coming back, I was saying, I didn't get a chance to call him, but I was saying, we got to draft a quarterback. Um, not because Daniel's no good, but because, frankly, I'm starting to fear for his health. And I thought, as an, you know, if I was putting my myself in the position of, of, uh, of ownership, I'd be like, I'm kind of afraid this guy might take an early retirement because he's getting murdered out there. Um, and so it's a matter of investing in the position for me. 
Um, no, I get that. And thing, you know what, David? That's fair. I don't think either of us would, would necessarily disagree mm-hmm. with that. His injuries are a concern. Yeah. No question. And I've been listening to I, – I like very much listening to takes by Carl and um, and Tiki Barber. And they – you know, they're basically saying, look, you could draft Terry Bradshaw or Joe Montana. If you put them out there with that offensive line, then they're going to get killed and look awful. Yeah. So I think that's I'm fair. Really, yeah, I'm really torn. I'm really torn between using a high draft pick to pick one of these top three quarterbacks, or just between free agency and the draft, going all in on offensive line, uh, a wide receiver, you know, and edge guys, and waiting another year maybe to try to draft a quarterback. I'll I'll leave it there and. Uh, uh, interested to, to hear, hear what you, you, you guys say. No, I appreciate it, David. Good call. Um, look, I'll just say a, a couple of real quick notes I'll make, and we'll leave to whether and we don't. We, you know, we're just not at the point now where you can determine whether or not you're going to draft a quarterback. You don't know where they're going to draft or any of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. just talking draft class in general, there are two top guys. For me, once you get past the top two, I'm not nearly as confident about that next group. I would feel great about Drake May or Caleb Williams. And again, I haven't done my deep, deep dive on those guys yet. I'm going to try to start doing them because the Lord knows we're going to take calls on them over the course of the next six months. Oh, boy. But look, they're standalone in this class. There are other guys that could become good players, but I would not feel confident about anybody else as even a top 10 pick at this point in this draft class. That's number one. Number two, for the first time, the Giants actually are going to have significant free agent resources here to operate with this offseason. So if you don't go offensive line in the draft, you can say, all right, I'm going to pay for a premium tackle and a premium guard if you want. You could do that this offseason if you wanted to. If that's your modus operandi, you could. And I, I haven't checked who the free agent offensive tackles are this offseason. Paul, you're looking it up right I'm now. I'm about to look. But you can decide, look, I'm done with drafting offensive linemen. I'm now going to try to look at the free agency class, and if that means spending a premium on guys, that means spending a premium on guys, and that can be okay. Again, I've not looked at what the class is, Paul. What are we looking uh, at here? Tyron Smith, yeah, Pete old. Brown, no, Trenton no. Brown, Jonah Williams. Keep going. Oh. I mean, Jonah Williams as a swing guard tackle isn't bad, but that wouldn't be a, a super huge investment for me. Well, those, those are your top guys based on current salaries. Uh, Ninjman, Lucas, Hurst. These guys These guys don't excite me. I'll be honest Anybody with you. Anybody coming off a rookie, a rookie contract, that might be good. Well, this, this Isaiah Wynn isn't bad. Keep scrolling down. But he has injury issues, uh, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not excited about any of these guys. No. No. You can, you can trade for a guy, too, if you want, I guess. But, no, that is... That no, is, this, is, this is not a good free agent class for tackles. No, it isn't. And there are a couple really good offensive tackles in the draft if you want to go that direction, you know. too. So. Look, and look, and you could draft good guards and setters on day two. Like yeah. You don't have to use a yeah. first-round pick on those guys. I, and, again, I, they have I, a center in John Michael Schmitz, obviously. But if yes, you want to invest a in a guard... You can, you know, you can go different directions. With I that. go back to the warning all the time that you just don't go into a draft saying we have to draft certain positions. No, you can't. Absolutely. I, I, that, that's to me is always a staple, and that's why when a caller calls up and says, "Got to get a quarterback," or "Got to get a lineman," or "Got to get this," "Got to get that," that immediately turns turns me out because that's not a conversation starter for me. That is a conversation ender. Okay, you have to look at the slot that you're in. You have to look at your board, and I don't care where the Giants are picking 
they'll likely be in the top 10, okay? Likely. I don't know that, but they'll likely be in the top 10. I think that's fair. For the purposes of this conversation, let's suppose that they are. Let's just say, hypothetically, as long as you want to go down that road, people, that the Giants think there are two elite quarterback prospects. And the Giants don't get a shot at either one of them when they're on the board. Should they automatically take the third quarterback on their board, even if they don't think he's of that value? The answer is no, people. The answer is no. Here's a Schmilk stock phrase that you will, this might be the earliest I've ever had to use it, but I'm going to use it now. Go ahead. You can write this one down and you're going to get sick of hearing this too over the next seven months. Six months. You do not draft positions. You draft players. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, I'm drafting this position. It depends who the player is. You can't just say, I want this position. You draft players, not positions. I mean, that's the biggest problem I have, aside from what we've talked about with the reality that it's premature to even discuss the future of the Giants quarterback position today. That's premature. Yeah. We've made that very clear to everyone. And again, but if you guys want to call up and give your opinion, you're absolutely free to. You're more than happy to do it. For everyone, though, who says they've got to draft a quarterback in the first round, just remember, if you were the GM and you overdrafted a quarterback because you insisted on taking one, you might wind up with Josh Rosen. Or... And you'll be really sorry. To a different extent, if you do what the Panthers did, and give up all this stuff to right. give you the opportunity to draft Bryce Young, who I still think is a good quarterback. But then he's sitting there behind a bad offensive line. He has no receivers to throw to. Because Counterproductive. You, because you traded DJ Moore away. Counterproductive. I mean, I watched that game. I can't believe I sat through the whole thing, but Lord knows I did. That Panthers-Bears game last Thursday night. You did? Brutal Ooh. football game. Ooh. I went back and even looked at some of the All-22. Paul, there is not a soul open in that Panther receiving core. I can't yeah. believe you went to look at the 22 on that game. A couple plays. Now you really a couple, got it. Only a couple Can plays. Can I get you a doctor? Only, I got I got a reference for you, John. Only a couple plays. <laughs> and there is nobody uh, open. Nobody open. I mean, poor Bryce Young just does not have a chance. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to run into that situation either. You know what I no, mean? No. Right. Scott in New Mexico will wrap us up. Hey, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Good. Hi. I don't know how much time I have, but... you got about uh, two minutes, Scott. Okay. Uh, I don't think uh, this year you can do a fair assessment of this team at all with the multiplicity of injuries and so forth. But the problem is that you still have to do an assessment, Scott, to determine what you're going to do in the offseason. So so you have to do the best you can. Right, but I just think it's an impossibility. I get it. And, and I also, John, I wanted to apologize to you directly. Why? Last Thursday, I went on. Well, I went on a rant about how bad the Giants were, and I think Coach Marvin said, I, I, "Right after me, I feel your pain." But I'm going to be a Giant fan forever, and that's true. But I'm used to a different time. Uh, I'm used to the guys like Vince Lombardi, who takes over a team in 1959. The next year, he brings them into the championship, which was the worst team in the NFL at the time, and. Tom Landry took 12 years uh, to get to his first Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no way to evaluate uh, Brian Dable. And my question to you, and I'll end it this way, how do, you, how do the coaches, or how do you, as people looking at the coaches, how do they assess themselves? And you have, what, five or six coaches uh, on a team and, and sub-coaches. 
But really, how do they assess what this season is like? Because no, you can assess players. That's what the coaches are doing. But how do you assess the coaches themselves as to what kind of job they're doing? Uh, and I'll end it at that because we're short on time. That's a really good question, Scott. No, actually, that's easy for me. Okay. I've, been, I've been doing that forever. Um, I, I was taught long ago by Parcells, you go to each individual room, your, your linebacker room, your defensive backs room, your receivers room, whatever it is, and the way you judge your coaching staff is you say, okay, listen, realistically speaking, this is what I believe I have. This is the quantity of talent. This is the ability of talent that I've got in that room. Did my receivers coach max out what they have in that room? Or did that room on its own underachieve? I don't think that's an easy evaluation, though. It. it Oh, it's easy to build the framework of the evaluation. It can sometimes be difficult to actually execute it. Right. But that's how you that's how you yes, do it. I agree with that. But okay. I, but I think it's hard to execute. And so you go to each one of the positions and you, you look at that room and you have to be objective about it as a talent evaluator and say, okay, how many guys, if I have seven receivers in the room, how many of those seven played to their capability? How many played up and, right. and showed improvement? And how many didn't show it at all? And not only that, they disappointed us because they were on the down. And like missed assignments and stuff like that. Now, yeah. mm -hmm. there can be a variable in this. A guy can be on the down because he was hurt. A guy can be on the down because it turns out he's not coachable. And he won't listen right. to his position coach. And he's adult. He's, you know, he's a blockhead. And and so blockhead Charlie Brown. And so basically, he puts himself into the soup. Well, you can't blame that on the coach, but that's the framework of how you do it. Good answer. Good question. Good answer. Giants TV, folks, is a Giants streaming app. Go check it out. Download it on your favorite uh, TV digital service: Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, whatever it is. It has all our digital video content, these shows, and everything else we do. Go check that out. And Giants.com/tickets if you guys want to. Buy tickets to Giants games. Season tickets or single game seats as well. For Paul DeTino, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for joining us for Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle to New York football giants. We'll see you next time, everybody. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.